The most important concept in any business is the service scape. It is a marketing concept that takes into account what happens to a uh, customer when they are provided services with a company. A better way to think about it is the experience a customer has when they interact with your service or they interact with your product. It is one of my favorite things to think about. How do people experience Age of Jeremy? How do they experience Age of Radio? How do they experience 3T Fitness and other companies I am working on? If the customer engages with you and they have an amazing experience, they will continue to come back. Today, I want to go over some of these things that I have done in my business to enhance this concept. And I kind of want to talk about uh, Adobe and their mission to create amazing experiences. My name is Jeremy Quintanilla. You are listening to Age of Jeremy. I'm an entrepreneur and I'm the co-founder of Age of Radio and 3T Fitness and well, other businesses that I am working on. This podcast is about everything that I learn and the trials and tribulations it took to learn them. I hope you enjoy. If this is your first time tuning into Age of Jeremy, this is a podcast about my life, building my family businesses, educating people on Buddhism and esoteric practices, leaving a family legacy, and everything in between, specifically the trials and tribulations. If you can please do me a favor and subscribe to this podcast, I would really appreciate it. If you can also subscribe to my Instagram channel at Age of Jeremy. I'm doing a special series through IGTV, um, uh, started about a week ago or two weeks ago from the time that this podcast is going to be released. Now, right now in Age of IGTV, I'm doing weekly episodes on Buddhist and esoteric practices. I also have a TikTok channel at Age of Jeremy where I go over financial market updates and advice. I try to do these uh, daily on TikTok, and then I also post to Instagram uh, pretty much about daily, but sometimes they get a it gets away from me, um, but I would really appreciate it if you would, if you enjoy this content and some of the other content that um, you want to find out that I'm making, go ahead and follow me on Age of Jeremy on IG or Instagram, and then also uh, at Age of Jeremy on TikTok. All right, so let's kind of get started on some of the stuff I wanted to talk about. I want to talk about my experiences with creating experiences. As some of you know, um, maybe you don't if this is your first time tuning in, but my career has mainly been in banking over the last 10 years. Now, when I first started out as a manager or a service manager at the bank that I um, currently still have uh, my day job at, um, one of the reasons why I was so successful in that role because is because of how I rebuilt the experiences um, with the customers. Now, there are things that I should uh, be mic- that should be micromanaged, um, especially when it comes to the service gate piece of it. I personally believe that that should be micromanaged, um, and and probably this, and along with kind of how your team members are interacting with your customers, those things I believe should be kind of micromanaged. But when someone would walk into the bank, they would be greeted. Then they would be placed into a pod or an area based on their need. Then, based on where they where they went or what pod they went into, certain things would happen to that client. Um, it was kind of like a roadmap of what would happen to that customer as they interacted with the branch. Now, if someone needed to see a business banker, for example, they and they would have and they would have to wait. If they had to wait, one of the employees that weren't the that wasn't the business banker would have to engage with them in conversation until the business banker was available. Then the business banker had a roadmap that uh, the company provided uh, that they would follow, and that would create the overall experience, and then they would exit that experience when they finished up with that business banker or they left the, the, the bank.
Now, along with a lot of this, and this is why I think that the this is why I think that the micromanaging is in, important is a part of this is also the culture that it created. For example, even if we all had to wear suits and business professional clothes, what we did was on Friday, we would decorate the branch with balloons of a specific color, and then we would match our outfits to that color. So that when any person came in on Friday, they knew that there would be balloons. It would kind of be like a, a, a special um, in, interaction with those clients. And that was important because Fridays are traditionally a stressful time in the branches, and we wanted to alleviate some of that for our, you know, our employees and then also for our customers. Now, I understand that most of this sounds cheesy, and trust me, I've heard a lot of it, that's stupid, that's cheesy, but for me, it was really fun, and we had great customer service scores because our customers would know what to expect when they entered the branch. It was the same in and it was the same experience every time they came in, and so that was, that's what creates the culture and why people why customers essentially continued to come back to that branch. Now, this is one of the most important concepts when it comes to your customers. You have to think of what happens from their perspective. Now, this is really the best place to start with a business plan about how you're going to interact with your customers and what they are going to experience. Now, again, this is really just my opinion, um, but it kind of works pretty good because a lot of this was built into mine and John's business plan for 3T Fitness when we created 3T Fitness business plan and we got investors. Now, the most important thing that we did and why our 3T Academy and 3T Fitness is growing so well, even in this COVID environment, is that when the client comes in for a class, they be, they enter the system. Now, prior to COVID, um, they could sign into an iPad that was up front, but now they sign in on their phone exclusively. But they were required to sign in for the class, right, so that we could track that. And then they also were required to sign in on to Facebook, which was kind of a way to kind of market um, our business through Facebook. Now, in 3T Fitness, if you've ever been in it, it's in Mesa, Arizona. But when you come in, there's like the office area, and then there's our podcast studio. Um, I'm sorry, there is the seating area where we sell clothes, and we have um, the scale, and then there's also a, a little digital board where you can order um, food. Um, not that we serve there, but like for meal um, uh, meal prep food services, right? And then there's an office, there's the podcast studio, but between the office and the podcast studio, there's this hallway that kind of launches them in into the, the gym area. Now, in that gym area, when their class starts, they walk through that hallway, and it's kind of like they enter that system where the workout experience takes place. Now, when the class starts, they enter that zone, and the music starts, it's really loud, and then the program begins. Now, the program is based on glycogen depletion and uh, high-intensity interval training. Now, this works this system works really, really well if you're fasting, but even if you aren't fasting, it works really, really good. Um, but essentially, you start by doing circuit exercises utilizing kettlebells and dumbbells. Now, this is utilized to deplete the sugar in your body. Then when that sugar is depleted, you do sets of battle ropes and assault bikes. Um, which is the interval training. Now, and then after that, you kind of go into uh, meditation. Well, you do go into meditation. But since most of the sugar that is depleted um, in your system, either through the fasting and or through the kettlebell and dumbbell circuits, when you do the battle ropes and the assault bikes, you're targeting the fat stores. And when you target those fat stores, you're not burning any of the carbs that you had eaten because you don't have any in your system because of the previous circuit workout, and you're just targeting the fat. And you lose weight and you lose fat really well in the system. And this is the reason why this system works. And in my opinion, and of course I'm biased, it works better than any other system. Um, and what's 
great about it is it's simple that anyone can do, and you can go at your own pace. Now, once a week, the clients weigh in to see where they are at with their goals, and they have access to our community through Facebook. Now, we are moving to exclusively do the 3T Warrior Academy online, um, but the point is that people are having a great experience with this, and that's the reason why they keep coming back, because of the systems that are in place, and those systems are replicable. And when people can find a replicable system, they're more likely to continue to return to that business because they know what to expect, and that's why these experiences systems are so important. Now, the experience is what leads most of us. um, uh, Well, experience is really what leads most of what I'm trying to do with Age of Radio. Now, as opposed to Age of Radio because it's a digital platform and 3T Fitness is both a digital platform and a physical platform, some of the stuff that you can do is a little bit different and you have to think about those things differently. Um, And more than likely, what you're doing in your life your brand, your business is different also. So you're going to do things differently, obviously. But there's some things that you can kind of take away from what I've done with 3T Fitness and what I've also done with Age of Radio. Now, it's a little different, again, with Age of Radio because the audience is our our customers are our listeners, but our customers are also our hosts. So I'm specifically going to kind of talk about the host experience um, because because that's kind of where more of my focus is right now as I'm kind of working on the app, and I'll touch a little bit more on that here in a moment. But if we think about signing up to the podcast network, so you can go to ageofradio.org forward slash sign up, and you can essentially just sign up and be part of our our network. That's where kind of how we market our network, that it's a zero download requirement network. Anybody can be a part of it, and anybody can buy in, and it's we help you with the stuff that we help with, but if you're putting in the work, you're going to be successful being a part of our network. Now, the way it is supposed to work when someone signs up for the network, their information is placed into an email campaign that has two main emails associated with it. Now, through those emails, and if you're not familiar with what an email campaign is, I talk about it in some previous episodes, but an email campaign is you're creating like uh, template emails that when... um, That when you get an email, you put that email into your email database, and then once it hits a campaign, based off of how you have your campaign set up, your campaign will automatically email those people. And so when people sign up to the network, they go into a campaign that gives them two emails that ask them to provide us information. And then we use that information to create their show and get them brought onto the network. Now, the the problem was is that I want to create a much better experience with that because the problem with email campaigns is a lot sometimes a lot of that stuff goes into junk mail so people might miss it so if they're wanting to sign up on this network and the system that lets me know that they signed up if I don't get that notification then maybe a day or two will pass they won't get the host onboarding email with the information that they need to provide and then it kind of falls through the clock the cracks so I, I'm tr- I did a few things to kind of create a better experience, right? Because I'm always trying to think of, and you always need to try to think of what this experience looks like from your customer's point of view. Um, So not only with this experience being kind of flawed, the other problem with the experience is that I'm always super busy. And one of the biggest misconceptions about capitalists and conservative groups is they truly believe that you do everything on your own accord, but no one really builds a business all by themselves. 
And again, I could continue to talk about this concept, but the purpose is, is because I can't build a, con a company completely by myself, I re realized early on that I was going to need to have help. And so it's difficult to get that help, right? If someone doesn't buy into what you're trying to do to work for free or to almost nothing. Now, since I'm super busy with all of this other stuff, it made it I kind of refocused on that. Okay, I don't need to take any of this money from Age of Radio. What's more important is if I use this money, right, from Age of Radio to hire people, right, to be a part of this vision who buy into this vision. And so when I looked at the the what customers expect from this brand, or at least the podcast network portion of the brand, they want us to know everything about the mechanics of podcasting, and they want us to know everything about growing podcasts and gaining revenue from their podcasts. And that's really the mission of the podcast network. And again, that can't be done alone. So to get better at those three things, I created three specific positions within Age of Radio. And so the first one is called uh, Podcast Services associate, and we give that acronym PSA. Then there's a podcast network manager, and that acronym is PNM. And then there's podcast development officer, and that's PDO. Now, each of these roles really help with the overall experience that our clients have. And how do they and and how they kind of experience with Age of Radio, and they can have a better experience now because there's multiple people that are helping them or available to help them as they engage with the company. Now, the podcast service associate takes care of the tasks that require host communication from a company-wide perspective. So rather than blasting out emails from MailChimp, this allows me to create a communication that I want to have sent out to the host, but then I can have her singly send out those emails to our clients so it presents like a one-on-one -on -one, um, interaction. And this also helps having the podcast service associate if someone needs to get a hold of me and can't or just has a generic question that maybe the podcast service associate can answer or they can reach out to the podcast network manager or the podcast development officer if that podcast development officer is assigned to that podcast, um, or if that podcast development officer can help provide value to that podcast, then the podcast service associate can reach out to that podcast um, uh, podcast development officer. So, so this is one of the biggest reasons and one of the most important people in creating that face-to-face -face contact or at least email contact to contact with the audience or especially the host audience or the host the host customer. Now, the podcast network manager helps with well making sure everything is distributed properly. So if there is a problem with distribution, then our podcast network manager will work on getting it fixed. And she also allows us to expedite getting shows on new platforms as they are created. Uh, now, the podcast development officer is our first real sales position that we've created, our first revenue-generating position. Now, the role is about cross-selling products to existing hosts with the idea of helping them enhance their audio experience that they're creating for our listeners. And then the podcast development officer is also responsible for getting new shows onto the network. And then this will really help um, with our goal of how we're growing the podcast and how many podcasts and downloads we want to grow month over month and quarter over quarter and year over year. Now, these three roles specifically are all about increasing the experience for the hosts.
Then there's the audience that we have to think about. And I'm not going to go too much into that because the audio experience gets a little more complicated because their experience is really dependent on the show. And the show can really do whatever it wants because we don't own or control the shows on the network. And that's what kind of makes being part of Age of Radio better than being a part of, say, Podcast One or with any other real network that's out there. Um, And so that's why one of the things that I've really, really been focusing on is the Age of Radio app. Now, the problem with the Age of Radio app poses some problems because it's pretty expensive if you look at Upwork or if you look at freelancing work for um, computer programmers, they're really, really expensive. And I think that they're able to charge more because people don't take the time to learn the 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 thing that they could learn to save some of that. And that's that's fine because a lot of businesses don't, a lot of people, you know, they're good at their thing and then they 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 hire the things that they're not good at to get those things done. But because the problem rises, I'm tr- to keep the debt down of the business and to not have to sell off equity of the business, one of my main things is learning how to create the app ourselves and moving into that technology development. And then as we gain more money, then we can hire our own programmers um, and then we can create better products and services from a technological or technology perspective, like say the Age of Radio podcast app, which if everything hopefully goes well, that we can have this out by the end of next year. Um, That should give me enough time to figure out how to create it, hopefully network and maybe meet some people that are willing to help for free. So if you're willing to help for free, reach out to me. Um, And then and then um, that'll really help us uh, create a service scape that we can interact with with our audience, right? Because one of the things is that if we create the app, then that allows us to collect data and create insights from what we're getting from our application. So that application or the Age of Radio app really becomes the service scape for how people actually interact with Age of Radio from a listener basis. And then we have a whole new stream of revenue um, and things that we can do with that app specifically. Um, So that was some of the stuff that I kind of do to create the experience. Um, There's a lot of other stuff that goes into creating the experiences um, that I could talk about probably for hours. But more importantly, how do you create a strong experience since that's hopefully the reason why you're engaging or listening to this podcast um, is to try to find insights for you on things that you can do better. So one of my, the biggest thing that you can do when you're looking at your brand and my advice is to learn to compartmentalize your brand or company within systems or pathways. So for example, if we look at Age of Jeremy and not think about Age of Radio, but if we look at Age of the Age of Jeremy brand because that's a separate brand that's owned by Age of Radio and I just happen to be Jeremy and this is the what I decided to name the podcast. But there's multiple different experiences that people have that could have different systems or different branding associated with them um, or different interactions associated with them. So if we can think about it, we can think about the podcast, right, which is what you're listening to now. This is one kind of system or compartment that a customer can enter and have an experience. Then there's the Insta- my Age of Jeremy Instagram feed. Then there's the Age of Jeremy um, IGTV videos that um, are coming out uh, every week. Uh, And so if you listen to Age of Jeremy or you go to the Age of Jeremy IGTV, you can follow videos that I'm trying to put out every week that talk about like Buddhist concepts and other things. So it's different than what you would hear on this podcast. So it's it's a different experience. Then there's TikTok, and then there's the blogs, and then there's LinkedIn. 
Now, these are all different landscapes that people interact with. So you first put yourself in the shoes of the person that is interacting with the landscape, and then you get specific on what you want that person to get away from the landscape or the service scape. So let's take this podcast, for example. So I recently dropped the the idea of seasons, and I just now create episodes. And why did I do that? Well, I took a look at it from the, the listener's perspective, and the seasons kind of made it really convoluted about what was happening on the podcast. Also, there's a big problem with the name of Age of Jeremy, which doesn't really signify anything about the podcast. Like, who the hell wants to listen? If you see this podcast and you're like, oh, the Age of Jeremy— who the fuck is Jeremy? Who wants to listen to Jeremy? What value does he provide? He's not a famous person. It's not like I have a known name like the age of Conor McGregor and it's a Conor McGregor podcast or something. So if someone sees Age of Jeremy, no one knows what the hell they're going to listen to. On top of that, it doesn't explain why people should listen to me in the first place. So I'm really stubborn on the name because it goes along with Age of Radio. So instead of changing the name and getting new artwork, I just kept with Age of Jeremy, but I wanted to do some education to the customer. So the smarter thing, again, would have been to change the name to say like building businesses with Jeremy or something like that, but stubborn keeping the name. So what I decided to do was start explaining what people are listening to at the start of the podcast. So at the start of this podcast, it talked about, okay, well, this is the age of Jeremy. My name is Jeremy Quintanilla. I am a business owner. I'm trying to learn how to leave a legacy, build a family, and all the other trials and tribulations that come along, go along with it. So if you're a business owner or you're trying to build a brand, oh, cool, I can listen to this guy because he's probably doing some of the similar stuff that I'm wanting to do, and I might be able to learn something from him, and hopefully, you know, I'm entertaining, and you listen to it, and you're like, oh, this is cool. Now, so so that's one of the first things, and then the other thing was that the way if people come the, the problem, so if p- people come from advertisements, right, so we do Google search advertisements, and I'm doing some Instagram advertisements right now, and if people listen to the episode, they get that hook at the beginning, then they get the intro, and then they get what the podcast is about. So this way, hopefully, they know what they're getting into, and that's going to lead them to say, oh, I'm going to go and subscribe to this. You know what? I kind of like this guy. He has some interesting things. I'm going to go follow him on Age of Jeremy on his Instagram channel, and you know, he says he does finance stuff. I don't know what that's all about. I'm going to go follow him on TikTok. Right. And so that's how you can kind of educate the customer on what it is that you're trying to do. And so if you notice, everything that I mentioned in all of that was about the listener. It doesn't really matter what I want. And that takes a lot of time to kind of understand is that. Right. So like the smarter thing would be to do to change the name from Age of Jeremy, again, being super stubborn on that. But like if I'm thinking of everything from the the customer's perspective or the listener's perspective, what is it that I want from this thing? And if I'm not giving that to those listeners, then I need to change what it is I'm doing so that this will continue to grow with the people that are finding it attractive and listening to it. Okay. It's all about the customer and the client. It's not about you. And I, that's one of the biggest and hardest things. And one of the biggest and hardest things why people fail, because a lot of the times when people start their own businesses, they start their businesses in their forties, they start their businesses in their fifties. And the idea is that they hate working for someone else. They don't like taking orders from other people. That's traditionally why people start their small businesses because they want to have that type of freedom. But if you really think about it, you really don't have that free. You have the freedom on how your day goes, right? But you don't have the freedom in what you should be doing because you're basing it off of your customers. So like if you do something that's causing your customers not to want to do repeat business, but it's the way that you've always done something, then you need to change that thing so that those customers keep coming back to you. And that's one of the biggest reasons why businesses fail. 
Now, if you want to do this type of brainstorming or thinking for each experience, then, oh, sorry. So what you want to do is do this type of brainstorming or thinking for each experience. So it would be smart to, you know, get a whiteboard or some large papers that you can hang or like a, uh, once they, there's these big post-its that I use that I hang up on the wall and write stuff on. And so, so what would be smart is if you brainstorm about what it looks like from each of these brands or the, each of these uh, service scapes of how your customers are entering, interacting with them and what that feels like. And then you can brainstorm on how to change it to make it more um, to make it more appealing to your clients. And that's really what you want to do. Now, I'm not going to lie. This takes a lot of time and thinking. And one of the biggest things with me is I'm super good at thinking, not super good at executing. Um, and not, not that I'm not super good at executing. I execute very slowly. And that's one of my biggest opportunities. But one of a lot of other people's opportunities is the opposite. They execute without thinking. So you need to find a really good middle ground. So if if you slot out a couple hours, you know, on a weekend to look over how people are interacting with your business and really dive deep into it, then you can make conscious decisions on what to change to make that experience more enjoyable. And that's how you can create a really, really, really good brand. And it'll be really beneficial in the end. So let's take a quick break. You can hear some, I guess, advertisements. And then when we get back, we'll talk about um, Adobe's Experience Makers Live and Adobe Experience League. All right. So I hope you enjoyed those advertisements if you heard any. And if you didn't, uh, then you just heard some space and I started talking again, I suppose. But before I talk a little bit about Adobe Experience Makers Live, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about enterprises and content marketing. Now, it's important that you know the difference between small businesses, middle market businesses, and enterprise or corporate-sized businesses. So small businesses are businesses that generate from zero to about $20 million. Now, most banks will divide this up into different segments of that zero to $20 million space. So retail banking small businesses, these are zero to $500,000 in revenue a year. And then $500,000 to about $5 million will be in the top tier of your retail banking model. And then these clients will have more complex treasury management or maybe more complex lending needs or higher um, lending needs. They call them complex. They're really not that complex. Um, and then you will have um, $5 million to $20 million businesses, which will usually, usually be in your commercial banking segment of the bank. And this is usually a separate entity bank. They'll usually call it commercial banking or wholesale banking or something along those lines. And then you'll have your $20 million to $1 billion businesses, which is usually the middle market. And then the billion and up are, are going to be your corporate banking. But all of these types of businesses are part of your wholesale or com commercial banking. Now, the point being is that the middle market banking and up usually have much better processes in place. And this is why it's really good for small businesses to learn about middle market banking and corporate banking um, concepts and organizational structures is because it's going to allow them to create better processes for their brand or for their business as they grow. Now, they also usually focus on content marketing, which is more of the reason why I'm bringing this up, because there is nothing that will drive your core business more than free content. Content. But if you can't produce that free content, right, then then 
you can gain much better insight from that free content that businesses are providing. So I encourage you to go to your favorite company's websites. And if you scroll down to the footer, you should be able to find links like their blogs or their free e-signs or their free videos, or maybe over to their YouTube channel that'll have the free content that they host through YouTube or maybe host through, uh, the, is it Vimeo? Vimeo or the, and then there's like, um, there's an, there's other like hosting platforms, but anyways, it'll show you where their videos are hosted at, and you can go and watch some like free content or free webinars. Now, these websites offer way more value than anything that you're going to find on YouTube about a specific topic. If you want, if you're wanting to learn about marketing and, um, and uh, digital experiences, then Adobe has like all kinds of amazing content for you. They have their CMO magazine, I think it is. Then they have their blogs. Then they have their Experience Makers League website, which we're going to talk about. And that's why Adobe is one of my favorite companies. And it's not just because of their amazing products. And they have so many products that most people don't associate with them. You know, so like most people associate Photoshop um, with Adobe or maybe Dreamweaver or Illustrator or InDesign. But they also have great products like Adobe Spark is how I make my videos for my Instagram channel. Um, Premiere Rush is an app that you can get for your phone um, and obviously on desktop that makes videos. And that's how I make my IGTV videos. And then they have like great enterprise and middle market uh, business um, applications, um, which those are really expensive. I'm not going to lie. Like Magento, for example, they bought Magento Commerce, which there's an open source Magento. So if you know PHP and you know uh, um, a full uh, web design stack like uh, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, um, PHP, and you know how to use a Linux server, then you can use all of the open source code for Magento to create a very badass website. But if you can't and you just want the, the Magento packages that, say, Adobe creates since Adobe bought them, and you might have heard that I was scratching my hand, <laughs> since Adobe bought them, um, then you pay like $25,000 a year and up. Right. And so like at one point, Adobe has this amazing experience products, um, Adobe Target and Adobe Analytics and um, uh, and Adobe Campaign. I forgot what they call it, but it's all these great marketing applications that for middle markets and uh, enterprise clients. And they are like they started like one hundred thousand dollars and go up a year from the last time that I checked the pricing. And I think as they create more products and they grow their businesses, they'll they'll start presenting more things to small businesses. Like the Magento is technically for small businesses. A good small business could probably pay uh, the $25,000 for the year. I know that John and I, we paid $16,000 for, uh, um, uh, an online, um, marketing gym class thing that worked really, really well until it got so saturated in the market that it started blowing up in our face. But the point of the story is, is that small business is probably for the 25000 They also have their own CRM, which is uh, Marketo, I believe is how it's pronounced, uh, which uh, I haven't looked at the pricing of that because we use HubSpot, which is free. But anyways, point of the story is Adobe has amazing products and I'm a very big ad advocator and evangelist for Adobe and maybe one day they'll pay me to do stuff for them. But as of right now, um, as of right now, I just really enjoy the product and the branding and the company and their CEO and their board of directors and everything that they're doing. And I hope that they continue to make amazing products that allow content creators and people like me to, to use their products and, and, um, provide value to others. Now, uh, one of the great tools that they have is that if you go to experience, 
So Experience League, so E-X-P-E-R-I-E-N-C-E and then League, L-E-A-G-U-E, experienceleague.adobe.com. They have an amazing tool that's completely free and it's called the Adobe Customer Experience Playbook or Adobe CXM Playbook. Now, this is absolutely free. It's like a survey that you do. You do have to sign in to Adobe. So if you have Photoshop or whatever, you can just use that same login. If not, you can create a login and it lets you look at this for free. And that's so they can market to you in the future. And that's why a lot of free content exists is because it allows them to get leads and then they can cross sell stuff um, to that. And I buy all kinds of stuff from them. Um, and I would probably buy more if uh, I could afford it. Um, so it, those things are beneficial. But what this is going to do is the Adobe experience playbook, the reason why I mentioned this to get you kind of involved with looking at some of this free content is it's going to focus really on digital transformation for your brand or your company, but I believe that it's going to create a lot of insight for you. Um, and that's why I encourage you to go and do it and play around with it. It has um, a specific concept in it utilize, that they utilize. So they break it down into these different buckets. And one of the buckets that they target is the customer experience journey, which is the product uh which is the way in which a customer goes from going from a prospect to a uh, uh, going from a lead to a good a, a good prospect to possibly buying to buying and then how you're going to get them to continue to rebuy, right? And so. I think this is really good for anybody because a lot of brands and businesses don't know about this. And most of the shit that these people are feeding most of you on the internet is just traditionally garbage or concepts that they don't really teach you how to actually go and 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 do the thing that they're telling you to do to make money. So like, for instance, real estate investing. Okay, well, you should go and do real estate investing. Um, and it's great. And that makes a lot of money for people. But how do you do it? Why does it do it? What are the metrics that go into it? What are some of the legal ramifications for it? What are the philosophical problems with real estate investing? What are some of the legal ramifications for legal estate, real estate investing? What are the different types of real estate investing? How do I get my money? What's a good way to start saving for like, there's lots of other things that go into this then oh, you should invest in real estate and not in stocks, right? So there's the why behind it um, and the benefits of it, but how do you actually take where you're at in your life and go to it? And so I think one of the things that can help get you out of that thinking mindset is utilizing free stuff, presenting yourself with new information that you're not quite sure how it helps, learning how it helps you, right? And then that can create actionable steps for you to take in your own business to move your business forward. And so if you look at this customer experience journey, right, it's going to tell you things, actionable things that you can do to enhance your customer experience in your company. And then Adobe's obviously going to try to cross sell you products that they think will benefit you. But it, apart from that, you learn a lot more um, and it's more valuable than, say, going and getting all this information off of YouTube, right? So if you're going to get information, because this is one of my lifelong, you know, um, goals in life, is if you're going to go and get information, get it for information from a book, from a reputable company that's creating free content, or from, um, say, like Audible um, and listening to those books. Like the last place that you should be getting a lot of your information, unless it's like literally a how-to do something like rewiring your wall or something like that for light switches get most of that somewhere else and use YouTube as a last resort. That's just my personal opinion. It's been very beneficial in my life. Um, and so I encourage you to look at other ways to learn about that information than just going to YouTube or even going off of just the traditional Google search um, and getting it. Um, 
but anyways, this isn't a podcast about that. But the the point is, is that if you um if you go to the customer experience journey, uh, or I'm sorry, if you go to Experience League and you fill out the customer experience management uh, uh, questionnaire thing and survey, then it's going to give you a playbook of things that you can do and actual items that you can do to enhance your customer experience. Now, a lot of these things are going to be focused on, say, digital transformation, but you can extrapolate some of those ideas and apply them to whatever it is that you're trying to do. And that's one of the other beneficial things that you can learn is how to kind of extrapolate ideas, okay? And if you can extrapolate those ideas, then you can kind of see the core of those ideas and then you can apply them into different areas. So I think that it would be beneficial for you to kind of go around and and play with this. And one of the other great things that you can do or take part in are live events. And what's great about the environment that we're in now, a lot of virtual events you can get into because they're offering them at a lower cost, so more because they're virtual and they're not in person because they can't be because of the COVID. But... Um, and there's also free webinars. So one of my live events that I just went to that was absolutely free and it was amazing was Adobe Experience Makers Live. And it is where I learned about the customer experience um, tool through Experience League um, that Adobe offers. But the other thing that I learned a lot about this insight and the reason why I brought up the customer journey is because I, one of the, the the breakout sessions that I did was on the customer journey and building your communication with your customers. And so the communication and engagement with your customers is really the most important thing that you can be doing as a brand. And we often don't think of that relationship that exists between a business and the customers, especially in the wake of all of the anti-capitalist movements that are going on, which I believe in my heart um, and I, and structurally, because I can show you that I believe that there are much different, better there are much better ways to structure business entities for them to have much longer longevity, right? Maybe the 100, 150, 200 years, right? Create really longevity with your institution, and then also to make everybody, everybody at least middle class or above middle class that work for that business, even at the lower level. It is possible to do, but the way that business structures are traditionally structured now, it doesn't a lot for that because it focuses on the traditional shareholders of the business or what we call the owners of the business. Um, but anyways, that's not really the point of this. And so hopefully in the future, I can um, talk about that. But the point is, is that if you think of your organization or brand as an individual entity or as its own person, okay, it's good at things, it's bad at things, it has good relationships, it has bad relationships with its customers. And if you can find out how to be a good friend to your customer or audience as a brand, when someone wants to purchase something, they're always going to come back to you right? Because maybe you're the friend that is the the leader in, you know, in my case, podcasting, right? So if I have a client from Age of Radio Mercury that knows that we're the best in podcasting, we're the best in audio, and has been able to provide insight and shown them that over and over, then they're going to be loyal to us as a friend because we've shown that we're a thought leader in that, right? Just like, you know, just like if you take my friend Luke, 
Um, one of my best friends growing up, he was the best at understanding the rules of Dungeons and Dragons because he like create, he read all of the books, obviously. He understood the rules very well. He could like quote pages in the book. So why would I go to another friend and say, hey, can you tell me this about Dungeons and Dragons or about this rule? Can you explain that to me? No, I'm going to go to the person that has been a good friend and has been able to provide me insight into this information that I've needed and shown me that he's good at it. A business is the same exact way, right? It just has different, it has more parts to it. Uh, and so, like, if your business is good and nice at doing refunds, people find value in that, and they're not going to, most people aren't going to take advantage of you, right? It's like the friend that lets you borrow money, you know, some people will take advantage, some won't. But you have to kind of think about your business as its own entity and the relationship that it has with its clients and customers. And again, if someone wants to purchase something from you, they're going to come back again and again. Now, how often, and then the other thing you think about is how often are you talking to them? If you're not talking to your friends, you drift apart, right? So how are you communicating with your clients? How often are you communicating with your clients? If you're not communicating with your clients, then you guys are going to drift apart. Right, so it, this is all part of this customer journey, and what you're telling, and and it's also about the story that you're telling them about your life. It's your life. What are you telling them about your life as a business, as a brand? And that's why transparency is so important because transparency is important in friendships and relationships. And if your business is a friendship and a relationship to its customers individually, then you want to be transparent and open with them. You don't want to lie to them. You want to, um, you know, be a knowledgeable friend for them. You want to be there for them when they need you, in that case, in the, when they need your product or if they need a product or something along those lines. I know it's a really hard concept to think about, especially in the wake of how much we hate businesses. And when I talk about communism and when I talk about socialism and when I talk about capitalism, it's not to get rid of businesses. It's to make the businesses better for everybody that's involved with that organization and all the relationships and friendships that that organization has, right? Which include the employees, which include the customers. So if you can start thinking about that, even if you're an influencer, you know, how do you interact with your fans? Are you there for your fans, right? Are you building a strong, are you building a strong relationship with your fans? Are you being transparent with your friends, fans? Are you not lying to your fans, right? And your friends. Those are things that you can think about in anything that you do, even in your regular life, that you can apply to a business. And those are things that you should ask yourself and ask yourself about your business. Now, I knew about this concept that I'm talking to you about before Experience Makers, but one of the best things about going and being a part of webinars or going to lives is like it re-engages you into certain concepts of your business. And that's why I think that you should build as part of your goals as an individual and as a business to learn about these in the industry-specific things to your business or to what your personal goals are. And this is even a better way to continue to learning information. We hear a lot about the... the um, the, the people that are on Facebook and the people that are on YouTube and they're telling you, listen to this, buy my course, all of this stuff. But there is so much better information out there that companies provide and you can get from webinars and paid webinars and paid learning from organizations and thought leaders than you can ever get from those people that advertise to you 
through their, you know, their buy my 90 day get rich thing or learn about real estate or rich dad, poor dad or Tony Rob. Nothing again. I hope all of them are successful. I hope they continue to sell stuff. But there is better, more thought leadership that's out there than those things. And I hope that by listening to my podcast and listening to and being a part of my community, that you can learn better things to be learning that are going to take you further and further, further and further and faster in your business and in your growth and everything like that. So um, nothing against all those people. It's just I think that there's better information out there that you can be a part of. And again, there's so many free webinars and training from large companies that can really provide education and insight for you. And even lives like KPMG, which is a big accounting company, they do lives all the time on LinkedIn for free where you can get free information, right? And again, uh, they're probably going to want to try to cross sell you something because businesses make money off of sales. I get that. But they do provide real valuable information, right? And um, in fact, if you go to Experience Makers Live website, you can watch all of the breakout sessions and um, keynotes right now. Like you can take a whole day, a couple of days, pick and choose the things that you want to learn. All free information that's all great about customer experience, right? So in your favorite uh, search engine, type in Adobe Experience Makers Live. And again, I'm not being paid for any of this. This is just me providing you with information that can be beneficial. So Adobe Experience Makers Live, and you can find links to all of the, the breakout sessions and keynotes. And I encourage you to go and really dive, dive deep into your, your favorite company's websites and what you can learn from their annual reports, what you can learn from their free content. There is so much stuff out there that we don't even think of because it's hard to get to, right? And one of the best things is you can go to the bottom in the footer. There's usually a site map for the entire website. And that'll have every link that's somehow linked into that website. So like if you go to Microsoft and you go to their sitemap, it's like, pages of links to all of the stuff that Microsoft offers as far as content, pages, products, services, all of it. It's just fantastic. And most com- most large companies have that type of setup. So spend some time on the companies and industries, the, the leaders in the industries that you're interested in, right? So for me, like Adobe, um, Forbes has a great CMO section for, uh, not content marketing, for, um, no, it's... Uh, chief marketing officer. And so they have a chief marketing officer concept, great free information. So really look at some of these things because you can find some valuable, valuable information that we don't even think about. So I end it with this. You will get out of your brand or your business what you put into it. I know it sounds easy. Most people don't do it. This is whether you own that business or not. If you lean in and go deep into what it is you're doing and what it is you want to do, you will be super, super successful in, in, in your personal life, in your business life, in any part of life. I, I guarantee it. i talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Age of Jeremy. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. If you can do me a favor, please rate this podcast if your podcatcher allows you to. Talk to you soon.